Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Todd Spangler with Variety. Today, we have two guests joining us from Twitter, Sarah Rosen, who is head of U.S. Entertainment and News Partnerships, and Lara Cohen, Global Head of Partners. These two executives basically represent the two sides of Twitter's entertainment business. Sarah Rosen works with media companies and studios to help them figure out how to get the most out of the Twitter platform. And Lara Cohen works with talent who use Twitter to engage with users around the world on a daily basis. We'll be right back with Strictly Business. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. We're back with Sarah Rosen and Lara Cohen from Twitter. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Nothing right. says strictly business like me and Sarah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're making our podcast dreams come true. <laughs> well, so you two basically represent the two sides of Twitter's entertainment business. Um, with the organic talent side, uh, that Lyra oversees as, as head of partners globally. And on the media company studio side uh, with Sarah. Um, why don't you just first each talk about what do each of you do at Twitter? What is your mission there? Sure. Larry, you want to start and then I can play off of you? Sure. Um, on the partners team, our job is to connect the biggest and brightest voices on the platform um, with their audiences. 
um, through Twitter and through like creative use of our full suite of creator tools. Mm-hmm. And for my side of the house, we're working with content partners, mostly larger entities like TV networks, music partners, publishers, et cetera. We're helping them be the best they possibly can be on Twitter from an organic standpoint. And that's where we cross over with Lara's team, best practices, the latest and greatest on products. And then part two of what we do is help them drive revenue against their content on Twitter through Twitter Amplify. Okay. Uh, so you two work together quite a bit, I would think. Um, if there's talent starring in a new TV show or a movie, um, that's a project that's bigger than just one brand or one um, actor or something like that, right? Yeah, I think I think the great thing about about the way our teams work together, and it really started from the origins of, you know, one of the great success stories of Twitter plus TV is, you know, Scandal and um, Kerry Washington starting getting the cast to live tweet that. And then, you know, Sarah's team working with ABC to sort of um, jump into that conversation and amplify that conversation. Now, yeah. I'm I'm old enough to remember when there was this whole supposed category emerging of second screen television apps, right? You were going to sit there with your dedicated app for uh, whatever and watch television um, and interact with it online. Well, the social networks like Twitter became the place where that happens. Um, was that something that, you know, cause you both have been with Twitter uh, in, in these are eons in internet time, right? You've been- uh, Since the dawn of time. <laughs> Sarah, Todd, you- <laughs> when I joined Twitter, we, di- we didn't have native video. I think it took like 15 clicks to get to actually watch a video. So okay. yes, it was I the actually, dark ages. Funny story, I actually launched native video uh, with Neil Patrick Harris. I went to Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris's house because he was going to be in the, he was going to be hosting the Oscars. And um, we, we shot a native video from his house and then launched it from there. I think I was like on the phone with engineers because it wasn't working. <laughs> and Lair, when, when was that? Was that? Uh, um, I think that was in 2014. I okay. would need to, need to fact check that, but I think it was in 2014. 14 yeah. or 15. Yeah. 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 But what would each of you say is, you know, the biggest change that you've seen overall in this um, in the social media space, in the entertainment space um, as they intersect um, over the, you know, eight, eight plus years that you've been doing this gig? I mean, I I can speak from my side. Obviously, Twitter has evolved as a platform and what were how you can consume content has evolved. I mean, really, it started as a text based app. Now it's very much media forward and now we're, we've got a, some great stuff working in the audio space. I think from an industry standpoint, um, over the last seven years that I've been at Twitter, the marketplace has gotten a lot more crowded. So, you know, early days, it was Twitter and Facebook, then it was Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, then it was Snap now and we have Pinterest and TikTok and LinkedIn. And so when we're talking to partners, part of the, my team's job is to help them understand what type of content they should be publishing on Twitter because it isn't a one-size-fits-all. So if you think about these social media teams that really have to distribute content across all of the platforms, our job is to help guide them in how to be successful on Twitter. Because the clip right. you're putting on Instagram 
isn't the same clip you should be putting on Twitter because they're, they're different platforms and the, the user experience is different and the way people consume content is different. So Sarah, what is, you know, the story that you, you tell to media companies? What is Twitter best for? I mean, Twitter is the place for conversation and it's really where you can connect directly with your fans. I think um, when people come to Twitter, they're in a discovery mindset um, and they really are looking for authenticity. So when you're a brand and, and, you know, off the top of my head, some of the brands that do it the best are MTV and Bravo. They are true to their voice and, and who, you know, what they're brand is and speak authentically to their fans and give their fans what they want and connect directly. And that's how to be successful. We are the place for realness. And that's what resonates with with users. And the other thing, just from a from a more tactical standpoint, people actually read on Twitter. So your words in your tweet matter. So yes, you're posting a video, but more so than other platforms, people are in the mindset of reading the up to 280 characters. So you can't just, it's not just a throwaway thing. Oh, I have a video. My caption doesn't matter. A lot of times that's what people are looking at first or the words before they go into the video. So it, it has to do with tactical um, execution and being successful there. Mm-hmm. Well, Lara, let me ask you, I mean, for some talent, Right. Don't they want a, uh, I don't know, more airbrush type of experience. They don't want um, they don't want uh, this sort of unfiltered thing with the, yeah, uh, I, with I the think fans. What do you what do you, you know, you talked about, like, where have we evolved? Like since Sarah and I have been here and I think certainly like, you know, the product has innovated. I think we've shipped more in the last two months than we did in entire years that Sarah and I have been here. But really, really about really, I think a lot of the evolution for us as a company is really drilling down to who we are and what our superpower is. And our superpower is, you know, conversation and authenticity. And I think when it comes to stars, you know, we we sort of understand that not this is not always going to be a place where everyone I I want I want every, you know, voice to you. I want every star to use Twitter. But I also know that like some people are going to be more authentic and real and honest. And, and I think those are always the stars that sort of um, really excel at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now you both have um, probably encountered some, some of this, you know, Twitter has had some issues with safety and um, I think what Jack Dorsey calls health of public conversation. Um, there've been some, in some cases, right. Some big name uh, public figures who've left the platform and maybe some of them have come, come back um, because of the of the problems there. What um, what is that conversation like with talent partners, with with media partners who are concerned about um, you know the the level of harassment, say on on Twitter compared with other social platforms? Um, I'm I look. I mean, it's no it's no secret that you know Twitter has had its issues um, with you know vitriol on the platform, but I'm really proud of the progress that we've made in the health space, you know, and um, the efforts. I think my team has worked super closely with our policy team, with our enforcement team, with our product team to make the platform feel safer. And we've had, you know, a whole range of stars who have left, come back. I mean, even, even with, you know, Chrissy Teigen, for example, I think she ultimately, you know, really decided that like she needs her voice here. And I think that like, um, 
you know, we've we've taken a lot of strides to make Twitter feel safer and healthier for, for talent on the platform. And, and I would say, you know, Lara's team really is on the front lines of health and safety, both from an internal standpoint and, and fighting the battles and representing these voices that are so important to Twitter and what they need and what they experience, but also from an education standpoint. And they're often then supporting my team in helping to expand that message to um, the larger entities. But it's really the work that Lara and her team do on a daily basis to educate the the BITs on our platform is is really important. And they're constantly, they're like superheroes. They're they're constantly fighting the good fight. Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) Lara and I have a love affair. So if, if you're looking for any, just just so you know, we we adore each other. <laughs> that's uh, that's good to know. Um, you know, recently on this on this subject, recently Twitter said it's working on this unmention yourself from a conversation, so you could untag yourself um, from some other post or conversation. Is that something that people are um, you know interested in in exploring? Yeah, that's something that's something that actually came out was born out of a brainstorm session with my team um, working with the product team and with the design and research team about what we're hearing from the market and what would be helpful for talent on the platform. And so, I mean, that's that's what's really great about Twitter. I think that like even though I think we punch above our weight and have an outsized impact on the world. Um at the end of the day, we're we're still a pretty small company, and the cross-functional work that happens between teams like Sarah and mine that are on the front lines and sort of delivering product feedback back to the product team and having that implemented is really exciting. I, think, I also think part of that is that we have always had the number one mission is to be good partners. So through the the seven plus years that I've been here, you know, we've sort of Twitter has had bump ups and downs and we haven't, we've never been the biggest platform. Mm-hmm. We haven't been the newest. Um, so we've always set out to be the best to work with. And we really do fight and, and support our partners in their own challenging landscape and try to try to be as supportive as possible. And so, you know, one of the things we do is when we are testing out new products or um, potentially rolling out additional features, we take it to these partners who have, devoted their time and energy and resources to Twitter and get real feedback. And we listen to them and, and we, we take that feedback and try to apply it and work with our cross-functional internal teams because their, their point of view and their usage is really, really vital. I think also like, I mean, plus one to everything Sarah just said. And I think that like, you know, part of that comes from the ethos, even from the beginning of the origins of sort of both of our teams here is that we were never looking to disrupt or replace traditional media, you know, our job was always to help amplify and, and, you know, be that second screen experience um, to, to make, to make these experiences of traditional media even better and to bring, to bring audiences, to expand reach of audiences, um, to help, to help folks further monetize their audiences and to bring fans even closer to, you know, the stars and the shows and the movies that they love the most. Yeah. I mean, I think both of you have, have kind of touched on this where, I mean, your goal, right, is to make Twitter the number one or number two platform that um, people want to, you know, engage with in terms of uh, on the talent and the, and the media side. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that like, there's just no denying, I think, you know, you can say a lot about Twitter, but there's just no denying that Twitter makes big moment, big cultural moments better. You know, I mean, I can't imagine watching an award show at this point and not watching Twitter at the same time or, you know, watching like the NBA finals or election night. Like, I think, you know, it's that added layer of conversation that gets added on to these big cultural moments that I think is really what makes Twitter special. That's always been sort of our secret sauce. And yeah. we are, we often tell partners back to, to talking about our role in guiding them and how to be successful on the platform. It It's not an or, it, it's not, we're not in competition with these other platforms. It's an and, it's a whole ecosystem that really for these content partners, they need to be leveraging in the best possible way. And, and it actually is better for them and better for us and better for the fans if they're leveraging all these different platforms, but in the right way and in the um, sort of the right approach for, for those different communities. Okay. Now, um, why don't you talk a little bit about Twitter spaces? You mentioned that, uh, you know, the company is continuing to develop new products and features. What is spaces doing for each of your teams? How are talent media companies using it? Um, and you know, what's the bang for the buck in terms of engagement? This is, if I can just editorialize here, we're saying Twitter spaces is, sort of like a, it's like Clubhouse in a way where for live audio conversations or you you tell me how you position that. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, as as I've now said like 700 times already on this podcast, <laughs> like that Twitter is really is the place for conversation. And I think what's exciting to me about spaces is that like spaces is a way to sort of reimagine conversation on Twitter and, and really sort of bring your timeline to life. And so we've put in a lot of thought collectively, Sarah and I, both of our teams and thinking about you know, we, we, we do think partners first and we think about how this could help partners. So one way, you know, that we're already seeing in action is that like spaces is a way to reinvent the, the press junket, you know, the traditional press junket. And we've seen this already with, you know, the, the Fast and the Furious with the F9 cast. Um, we just, we just did a big thing with the Ghostbusters cast the other day. So, you know, imagine a world where you can have a, a traditional press junket where, amazing outlets like yours, you know, come yes, to review. They still come to variety. <laughs> they still come to variety, you know, and they come to, you know, do do interviews with talent um to promote, you know, to promote these projects that the talent and studios are passionate about. And you could do that, you know, with talent, you know, someone's in London, someone's in, you know, you know, someone's in New York, someone's in LA. You can all be together. Um, to do to do a press junket, basically like no one has to wear, no one has to get their hair done, no one has to wear heels, no one has to drive on the 405, you know, <laughs> sort of. It's like it's like a win for everyone. And I think, you know, that's that's really exciting. Like the reimagining of the press junket. So bringing sort of the talent and the and the press and the traditional players into a press junket and in a, in a new way is exciting. And then, you know, with the fact that like you could do that in front of a live audience and in fact have you know, live, live listeners be able to ask questions, sort of democratize um, something like the, the press junket experience, which is, you know, really exciting for us. But it's really the live aspect of it. That's the draw, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and, the, and the conversation, because, you know, from, from my side, if you think about a TV show or um, even like a music festival happening, people want to talk about it immediately after. So we're, we've explored with a lot of um, our network partners with doing after shows immediately after an episode airs, whether it's a finale or just like 
the latest episode of The Bachelorette and allowing whether it's, um, you know, super fans or bloggers or actually talent from the show to, to create a room where they can all talk together and hear insider information. We actually hosted one of our first TV spaces was with the cast of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And um, fun fact, Lara and I are Bravo super fans, which is probably going to come up about a thousand more times in this <laughs> podcast. Um, so so it wasn't at all selfish that we wanted to create it, but it, but really you know, to hear the talent have a conversation, it felt like you were, you were sitting in a room with people that you never get that access to. And they were actual humans and it just furthered your fandom for that show. And so it's, it's just another way to engage directly and continue the conversation on Twitter in an authentic way, which we know we love. And to Lara's point, it's a light lift for talent um, because they're, that you don't have to be in hair and makeup. Although I do want it noted on this audio po- podcast, I am in full hair and makeup in a prom dress <laughs> with heels. I've never looked better in my life, just so everyone knows. Um, I'm wearing a tuxedo, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's easy and it's natural and native and you can share tweets in it. And it's just, it, it's literally um, just an, a simple iteration to what was, happening and, and makes total sense and is seamless. I think our dream state, you know, if we, if we like can get pie in the sky about like what our dream state is with spaces, like, you know, imagine a world where you're doing a press junket on spaces that then leads to, you know, a television event, for example, where a cast and showrunners live tweet, you know, as it's going on. And then everyone hops into a space after to digest and discuss what happens. You know, I think that that's sort of like, you know, that's really like, I just think that that would make the fan experience so much richer and deeper um, and really bring everyone closest together. I mean, like it was an old trope from like when I first started at Twitter, but the notion that Twitter is like the world's biggest couch, you know, where for everyone to watch, watch these things together. I think spaces is just sort of a, a new way to reimagine that. Okay. And from a monetization standpoint, we're constantly looking for new innovative ways to help our partners drive incremental revenue against their content. And so I think be on the lookout for how you're going to start seeing um, partners bring brands into the fold, into their spaces in creative ways, which just gives advertisers another way to align with premium content in in, in an authentic way. And you, you could see a world where, you know, spaces like, you know, like video get clipped up, you know, and then mm-hmm. promoted. Okay. You know, I think that that's, that's directionally, you know, I'm, I'm yep. not spoiling roadmap secrets, but directionally sort of a lot of where we're So micro podcasts or something. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. bite-sized, bite-sized content on, plat- on, on the platform is, is historically what's always performed well for mm-hmm. us. And so I think that like, you know, there's no reason why bite-sized audio also can be super successful for us. We'll be right back with more Strictly Business. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. We're back with the Strictly Business Podcast. Let's talk about another new project that Twitter is working on, Superfollows, um, which I think you took the wraps off earlier this year. That sounds very, very interesting indeed, where you could uh, have a, a subscription layer, whether you're a publisher, right, or, a, or a, an influencer, and, and give people extra content, special access. Uh, yep. I mean, th- this is very exciting, isn't it, to each of your um, constituencies? Yeah, I think I think it's been a it's a really exciting time on the on the product side, um, sort of at the intersection of of product and content partners on the platform because I think we're doing a lot of thinking into how content partner like that great content on the platform should be rewarded you know, and whether that's rewarded through, you know, the model that's worked for years with, with Amplify, mm-hmm. um, or whether it's, or whether you're getting, you're making dough from, you know, subscriptions or, you know, we launching a tip jar feature, um, you know, where you look at, um, our acquisition of review, like mm-hmm. newsletters. Um, but we really do believe that, that, you know, that people who spend time on the platform and produce great content on the platform should be rewarded for it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of innovation happening inside, inside, well, I guess the virtual Twitter walls right now around and, that. Well, and I, I guess, think from mm-hmm. subscription, you know, it's, it's sort of, again, a natural evolution. If you look at the entertainment industry and, and where content is going outside of Twitter and how important subscriptions are right now, it, it makes sense for us to, um, continue down a path that's going to be complementary and supportive of where our partners are going. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Sarah. So, I mean, you're taking care to not destroy the existing model, the ad-based model, which is significant and growing for Twitter um, in introducing 
subscriptions. Yep. Yeah. And I think there's, there's room for both and, and they represent different opportunities. And, um, you know, I think what we've built with Twitter Amplify is, is something that we're incredibly proud of because not only is it driving a significant amount of revenue for Twitter and for our content partners, um, but it, it's also, um, you know, creating a, a good experience for users because when they're seeing an ad, it's attached to a piece of content that they naturally want to view. So this is not in any way, shape or form looking to replace or push aside Twitter Amplify. If anything, that business is just growing stronger and stronger as we expand to more and more content partners and um, continue to grow there. This is an and. And, and how do we explore doing more and giving more monetization opportunities to our partners and, and also individual creators? I mean, it's hard out there for a creator. And I think Twitter sees that and wants to support creators and give opportunity to be able to, to monetize themselves and the content and the work that they're doing in a meaningful way on the platform. Mm-hmm. It, and, you know, maybe I'm just being take, taking a devil's advocate stance here, but why is it taking so long to add these kinds of monetization features? Um, I think that, you know, I think that we had bigger, we had some other things, we had other things that we needed to bring to the table first. I think that like, you know, Jack was very open that like health and safety was our number one priority for several years. Um, And that, and I think, you know, look on a, on a, getting the platform to a state where people feel safe and healthy to communicate was, you know, our number one priority as a company. And I think now that we are sort of in a healthier state, which is not to say we're in a perfect state, there's still, there's still more abuse on the platform than any of us would like to see. But I think we have now sort of opened the door to be able to be more creative and be more thoughtful about how we can be holistically great partners for, um, for our partners in the platform. Good. All right. Fair enough. Um, you both have mentioned pop culture, and you know that drives a large part of the conversation on Twitter. And hey, keeping up with the Kardashians, the show is <laughs> the show is over. Um, we had a story that uh, that there were a half a billion tweets about this one show and the related talent um, over the fourteen years of keeping up with the Kardashians. Um, so that's all just gone now, right? I mean, no, I mean, is I, it the Kardashians <laughs> are forever, Todd? What, what is dead will never die, Todd. <laughs> when it comes to the Kardashians, no, I mean, I think like the Kardashians are a great example, I think, of how our teams work together. You know, my team has been working closely with the girls, you know, with the with the family for many years. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's no secret that you know they are innovators and I think geniuses of, of how to use social media. Um, well, there's some of the biggest talent on your platform. They are some of the biggest talent yeah. on our platform. They're, you know, and, you know, the, the Kim, Courtney, Chloe, Chris uh, live tweeted every single episode this year. So I think, you know, when you look at like how, how to get to half a billion tweets, I think a lot of that starts with, um, the talent themselves participating in and driving a lot of that conversation. Um, and then, you know, Sarah's team on the east side work closely with the east side to, you know, extend the reach um, of, you know, of the show onto Twitter and to tend to monetize that content too. Um, I mean, and the Kardashians is the roadmap 
for building fandoms, right? So actually there's a tweet that just went out a few minutes ago from the official um, Kardashians on E handle at K-U-W-T-K. Um, although I know this is going to be played a few weeks later. And it's actually a video that E pulled together using, we partnered with them, pulled um, some t- historical Twitter data and celebrated all of the incredible fan accounts. So the talent, to, to Lara's point, they started it all and they have always been active and um, d- interacting directly with fans. And what came of that were all of these fandoms and fan accounts that have dedicated their lives to tweeting about the Kardashians and celebrating the Kardashians and talking about the Kardashians. And so it's not just the tweets coming from the talent themselves, it's also from the fans and and they know how to fuel that. And and that's a real recipe for success for any TV show, any movie, any album release. Like that's what you need to do is engage with fans and get them excited and get them to care. Yeah. And I, I think Todd, like going back to one of your earlier questions about like, you know, what about stars who want to be sort of slick and glossy as Twitter a place for that? And I think that like the Kardashians are such a good example of how, you know, playing to the strength of the different social medias that social media platforms you participate in. I mean, obviously, you know, no one loves a selfie more than Kim Kardashian, a glamorous selfie more than Kim Kardashian. But if she is coming to like give the real about her show or answer a rumor or talk directly to her fans, I think that Twitter has always historically been the place where she comes to do that. Now, I assume you run into cases where somebody is trying to promote a TV show, a film, a book or whatever, and the talent just doesn't Twitter very well. I don't know. Um, what do you do in that case? I mean, do you have a playbook of what works, what doesn't work? We sure I mean, do. We sure, sure, okay. we we sure, sure do. We sure What's do the rule of thumb here in a nutshell? I think that like people, I think that, I think that one challenge that we're always looking to overcome is the idea of like, I'm not particularly funny. I'm scared of Twitter. And I think that there's a lot that you can do on Twitter as a star. Um, if you're a little bit more timid off the jump, that's like a lot lower lift, you know, even if you're just going through and, you know, liking a bunch of tweets from fans. So they feel like they're listening and they, you know, you, you, you hear them and you see them like, that is so, so unbelievably meaningful um, to to fans. Um, if you answer questions or engage somehow, you don't have to have sort of an original, funny, pithy thought. Like you can just start engaging that way. And then we've worked really hard to create, you know, features and and sort of content series that are that are sort of akin to more traditional editorial content. So Q and A is on Twitter. You know, you can't every every star knows how to how to do a QA. and um, and so and so things like that um, you try to make the lift as light as possible and and, and try to make it not so intimidating yeah just and, be and yourself think, right you've got to be authentic and that's what that's what translates yeah and, and listen for a lot of the the tv shows and and our friends that work in social at nbc and disney and Viacom cbs they don't necessarily have access to talent for every show and um, they they have to to be creative and are creative with how to engage with fans without the talent. Um, and so a lot of what my team does is help them understand, you know, what kind of content should you be putting out? If it's a if it's if it's a season two or three of a show, um, leveraging Twitter moments to do really cool 
lookbacks of clips of reminding you where you are in the season, um, you know, being engaging with the audience from the official show handle. So there's still ways to, to leverage that without the talent. I mean, the talent is like everybody, number one, you want the talent. Um, but we really also try to give those same tips and guides to the social teams so that they can still be successful when there's limitations because everybody only has so much time and uh, bandwidth to be able to participate in all of the show launches. Yeah. Well, um, we are actually almost near the end of our time here, but um, I wanted to ask each of you, what are the success metrics that people look at today in terms of how they're using Twitter um, and how do you measure success? Is it different than it was a couple of years ago? I mean, I think from my side of the house, we we look at success a few different ways. Obviously, we're looking at revenue. Are we growing revenue mm-hmm. and growing incremental revenue for these partners, um, which is really, really important, especially to some smaller publishers. Like we, we just announced at New Friends, a partnership with Genius. Um, having Amplify revenue can make a meaningful impact on their business. Um, but even with, with the big big guys like Disney and NBCU, you know, we have significant relationships. So we certainly look at revenue from an organic side of the house. We're looking at engagements with their tweet video views, mm-hmm. um, you know, follower growth to, to a lesser degree, but that's also important. And then um, kind of a squishier success metric that is really, really important to us is how are we, how are we as partners? Do they like working with us? Do they trust us? Do they want to take risks with us? Are they willing to test new products? Are they using the full suite of products of Twitter? Um, And then I I would say the one last thing and um, something I've been really proud of from from our team's work and and also our partners is the last year and a half has forced content partners to get innovative. You know, productions were shut down. Um, Award shows didn't have audiences. Everybody was remote. And um, what was born out of that was a lot of innovation. And so what you'll see next from from our team is really focusing and pushing our partners to to think um, from an innovation standpoint and a Twitter first standpoint, like things like the billboard chart based off of Twitter conversation or bringing back the VMA stand cam, but keep your eyes peeled for what it's going to look like in 2021, things like that. So um, just having a strong relationship and trust with these partners is so important because it allows us to do more and continue to grow in the future. So the the pandemic helped, huh? I mean, sure. It helped my sweatpants collection, that's for sure. But I'm not wearing sweatpants on this podcast. <laughs> prom dress, prom dress. But I actually, what I'm really proud of, you know, sort of the work that both of our teams did during the pandemic was, you know, a lot of the work that uh, was centered around, you know, in a world where, you know, none of us could hang out together, you know, Um, I think Twitter brought people together for those cultural moments. So it wasn't like, it wasn't just like everyone was sitting around and watching something, something together. Um, People were, were watching something together and talking about it together. And so, you know, we did, you know, a, a full cast live tweet, you know, when Hamilton premiered last summer. Yeah. And that was just like, you know, we had every single member of the cast, you know, Lynn was super, super all over it, participating um, and, and bringing the audience, it, you know, it was like, you know, that movie couldn't get into theaters at that time, but what a rich, wonderful experience for fans of that movie to be able to watch the movie with the cast and talk to them during it. Um, so that was, I'm, I'm really proud of the, of the work that we did, that the teams did during the pandemic. I think that like everyone on both of our teams worked really, really hard um, to think, 
how we could help partners who were struggling during that time and how we could really enrich the fan experience um, for, for folks who were, who were stuck at home. Um, and in terms of su- success metrics, yeah, I mean, everything that Sarah mentioned, um, but in addition, I think there's a real keen focus on my team in terms of product adoption and making sure that we are educating like our full suite of partners on, you know, all these new creator tools that are happening. Um, again, not because it's, it's good for Twitter, though, of course it is, but because we really believe that these tools are going to help um, bring creators closer to their audience and, and give them new ways to promote the things they're passionate about and, and make money um, off their content on the platform. So that's a huge focus for us. And, um, and really just, you know, collectively, like we're all here to, to serve the conversation. And I think the, the best conversation that happens on the platform um, is when, you know, our partners are, are participating and driving and cultivating that conversation. So. All right. Well, um, one last question for each of you. What, what are the biggest misconceptions about what Twitter is or what it does? Maybe, Sarah, if you start there. Sure. I think that the biggest misconception is is often that it's that it's hard to use or that, um, you know, you find people say, like, I don't really get it or it's confusing. And it's actually quite simple. And the more you use it, the more you love it. And there isn't a lot of pressure to be. Um, and Lara talked about this. You, you don't have to have the perfect tweets. You can get a lot out of Twitter and and just by scrolling through. And it's it's just such a great information source and community and conversation. So Twitter is easy. It's simple. It's, <laughs> if you need a one on one. I'm here for you. Um, but I, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes, okay. in my opinion. And that it's all news. It's not yeah, all that's news. A, that's, right. what I, that's what I was gonna say. Don't take my answer. I was gonna say, Sorry. yeah. I think, I think <laughs> both Sarah and I, both Sarah and I, very proudly represent teams that work with our news partners and yes. care very deeply about our news partners. I do think that there is a misconception sometimes that Twitter is just a place for news. And I think that like, you know, from on behalf of team entertainment, we are here to tell you that like Twitter is the place, Twitter is the place for pop culture. And I think yes. that like, you know, like there were a hundred, we did a Q and a a couple of weeks ago with Olivia Rodrigo. There were a hundred thousand tweets um, about, about uh, asking her questions. So it really is a place where, you know, you can become closer. Fans have a really unique opportunity to get closer to the stars that they care about the most. So okay, good. Yeah. not just for politics or news, really? No, it's a place <laughs> for me. It's a place for reality TV. It's a place didn't, for award shows. It's you know we didn't, talk, we didn't talk about Bravo as much as I anticipated. I know. I know. Well, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something. I don't think Elon Musk would have gotten on SNL if it weren't for Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Very good point. I mean, I am constantly influenced by the the Bravo content on Twitter. I, I had an espresso martini last night influenced by the summer house staff. So there you go. <laughs> well, thank you both. Um, Sarah Rosen, Laura Cohen, um, Lara Cohen. Thank you so much. And um, we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. That's this week's Strictly Business podcast. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our guests, Sarah Rosen and Lara Cohen from Twitter. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust 
into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.